You are now listening to Plant Talk, a podcast brought to you by Canada's Manufacturing Magazine. It is presented by Plant Magazine, Canada's industry voice since 1942, for manufacturing owners, senior executives, administrative and managers who represent all links in the manufacturing decision-making chain. Tune in to hear conversations with industry experts on comprehensive topics that are of utmost importance to the manufacturing industry. Greta Kirilenko is the CEO and co-founder of Acerta Analytics Solutions. She has years of experience working with automotive OEMs and Tier 1 manufacturers. She worked at Bombardier and Magna in the area of system testing, monitoring, and analysis. And she worked at AECL on testing processes. Her Master of Science research at the University of Waterloo focused on automatic analysis of data for testing and anomaly detection. Prior to that, Greta worked for three years as a software engineer and a web developer. Greta, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my pleasure. Really excited to be here, Miriam. So tell me more about Acerta. What do you do there as CEO and what is Acerta's mission? Yeah, so, so um, I'll, I'll give a bit of a background on myself. I started my career as um, an engineer in safety and quality for automotive systems and specifically in ADAS systems. Um, and was really kind of excited about the potential of transformation in how uh, manufacturers are approaching quality and safety in cars and and, um, the new technologies being put in cars by leveraging data. And so really, uh, when we started Acerta, um, one of our biggest missions is how to help manufacturers um, transform how Uh, Data is being leveraged across the automotive's life cycle and to build an analytics um, platform uh, that can leverage product data and help manufacturers explain it to drive impact. Um, So a big focus of Asserta today is through our analytics platform to uh, gather product data across the life cycle of the vehicle and its subcomponents, um, and then help find the earliest indicators of future product failures. So we can help you know manufacturers get ahead of issues very early uh, and downstream in the process. A lot of our focus today, of course, is on manufacturing and helping manufacturers you know Im- improve first time through throughput um, and scrap rates. Uh, but we're really looking to change this uh, approach to quality more globally across the life cycle. And what excites you about the future in this industry? Re- really, it's, it's, it's the ability to uh, change how things are doing or evolve how things are doing by leveraging data. Um, with kind of the introduction of a lot of um, software technologies into the vehicle, so everything from advanced driver assistance systems to, you know, growing autonomy and um, electric vehicles. Um, The amount of digitalization both from the vehicle and from operations around the vehicle um, has been really increasing. And what that means is that the amount of data you have to understand what is happening to the product across its life cycle um, is growing exponentially. And our goal really, and what excites me about it is, is the ability to leverage this to truly understand, you know, with every single part, what is its birth history? What is this digital thread of information related to every single part in the vehicle and every single vehicle? 
um, and being able to leverage it to you know, drive a lot of optimizations um, in the process and cost savings. So one of my really exciting kind of aspirations with Assert is to eventually impact how quickly products can get to market by really leveraging this digital thread of information. Before we start talking about Assert's lines, what are some of the differences between automotive and tech industries? Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so, so really, when we think about um, automotive industry, um, it, it's an industry that right now is, is really transforming and trying to become a, a, the tech industry in a way. So a lot of the car manufacturers that have been used to um, assemble, used to assemble vehicles and used to manufacture parts are transitioning into trying to become also technology uh, companies. So uh, building more software, software around, you know, the vehicle, um, how it performs, so autonomy, but also many other systems, you know, that um, are geared for consumers. Um, so what that really means is that the automotive industry is really making that uh, leap into trying to become uh, a technology company. And I'd say some of the biggest differences when we think about kind of the traditional automotive, um, uh, automotive manufacturers and the tech giants of today um, come down to a couple of things. So, uh, you know, tech industry is uh, very high pace. It's an industry where you're able to fail, you're able to fail um, quickly. And that's something very uh, counterintuitive to the traditional automotive industry where because cars are such um, safety, safety critical systems and have implications on um, you know, our, our safety while being transported, you really have to put in place a lot more um, checks and balances. And so the pace at which the industries are, these two industries are um, used to operating and moving at are very different as a result. And that's something that uh, we need to bridge kind of as we try to create more technology for the automotive industry. Um, another element of course is quality. Uh, quality of the software and quality of the solutions is a very high priority. Um, for the automakers because you know you don't want to put um, uh, software that's not quite there or is in uh, MVP mode into your uh, manufacturing operations or your vehicle operations. Um, so quality is kind of at the heart of um, what we need to make sure in technology uh, if we build it for the for our vehicles. Um, and that's something actually very core to what Asserta does as well, since we're kind of creating that technology for automotive. Um, quality is one of our top values in the company because we know that if we deploy software within our customers' um, operations, we damn sure should make sure that it works as intended and is providing uh, what is expected um, so that we really gain credibility um, from the manufacturers. So let's talk more about uh, the lines at Acerta, uh, Line mm -hmm. Pulse and Auto Pulse. Can you give me like a brief description of, of both? For sure. Um, so uh, really it comes down to Acerta, uh, as I mentioned, is providing an analytics platform uh, to leverage uh, the product data of our customers and help explain it. 
So um, with Line Pulse, this is our uh, product line that services the manufacturing and assembly stage of, um, of the vehicle. So we work with um, both OEMs and tier one uh, suppliers uh, to analyze uh, the assembly and manufacturing data of their parts. So we uh, target uh, high precision components, everything from uh, the powertrain, so your engines, transmissions, pumps, um, doors, um, as well as we, we uh, work with, uh, say, battery manufacturers also. So um, line pulse uh, is intended to, um, so we don't instrument the production lines, but we leverage the data that's already uh, being generated. So we sit on top of uh, MES systems or SCADA systems, and then gather data from across the assembly process, from the manufacturing process of any one of the parts. Um, and what the system brings to manufacturers is really the ability to um, help um, find and avoid problems downstream so that we can uh, impact uh, metrics such as first time through, such as scrap rates for the manufacturers. So that's kind of line pulse in a, in a nutshell. And with AutoPulse, this is our um, solution for, for on-road vehicles. So we, again, we're focusing on that product data and monitoring your product, not just basically we call it from the assembly line you know, to the finish line. So we, after the product is assembled, um, AutoPulse continues to monitor it uh, while it's operating on the road. So we hook up to connected vehicles and leverage that data that's being generated from those uh, vehicles to start predicting failures on the road uh, and helping bring forward um, use cases such as predictive maintenance and general pre predictive failure. Greta, can you give me an example uh, of a case study that used Line Pulse? Yeah, for sure. So as, as an example, um, uh, I'll talk about a, a recent deployment we've had uh, with an axle manufacturer. So um, what we've done is we, we were deployed in a couple of um, axle assembly facilities where we're monitoring uh, more than 40 different uh, you know, assembly operations. Um, and across these assembly, we're, we're looking at things like press forces, torques, dimensional data, basically everything about um, how that axle is assembled. Um, and so uh, one thing that we, we've done for the manufacturers, we've deployed things like um, monitoring of the capabilities of their process and applying drift and anomaly detection to detect when anything is going out of spec, where things are getting miscalibrated, or if there's you know, these types of uh, trends are maybe impacting the products. So as a result, in this real-time system, we're able to help the manufacturer get um, in front of some of their process issues that may impact the assembly and, and the quality of the products being, um, the axles being created. Um, now, as part of that, we've actually noticed that some of their sub-assemblies uh, were often the cause of a lot of um, downstream issues. So they had a lot of fallout at the end of the production line uh, because some of the sub-assemblies weren't, um, you know, were generating too much noise. Um, so what we've actually done is deploy a um, machine learning model uh, into the process to help optimize uh, their subcomponent selection. 
to make sure that the final axle assembly actually is within spec and doesn't create um, too much noise. Um, and so by doing that and, and the combined solution and actually has been able to decrease their scrap rate, um, or sorry, and, and rework rate by about 40% so far. And um, by doing that, we actually help them increase their throughput also by over 20% to date. Um, and the solution is being now deployed in multiple facilities across the organization and uh, really driving value across the board. And going back to the part where you talked about pointing out future product failures, yeah, so one thing we start, we, as I mentioned, we, we use the data that is already being generated. So uh, we can, of course, detect gaps if, if we need additional sensors or signals, but generally we, we leverage whatever is already available. So we integrate uh, with production line systems such as your SCADA system, uh, your MES system, um, as well as potentially even direct testing systems you may have on the production line. And we really combine it all to uh, be able to monitor the, 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 the birth history of every part that is being assembled and manufactured. And so once we're able to get that into our, our system, and our system is a cloud-based solution, um, so, so we get all the data into the cloud solution, um, the analytics kick in. And so we're analyzing a variety of things, everything from anomaly detection and capability of your process, um, down to more predictive and root cause driven analytics to really help both pinpoint where problems are arising in your process and help your engineers uh, basically be able to, instead of trying to figure out where the problems are happening, they're, you know, in a data driven manner, we point, pinpoint um, what's the data telling us where is the problem originating. So in that way, helping them accelerate how quickly they can get in front of it. Um, and lastly, we then have these hybrid solutions where we uh, take some of the models and actually deploy them on the production floor to directly influence the production process. Um, and we can again integrate with your MES solution to, to do that. Um, so that's kind of uh, how we're um, integrating into that overall ecosystem. Going a little bit off topic here, Greta, I wanted to ask you, what, is your, what does your day-to-day -day as a CEO and co-founder of Acerta looks like? <laughs> that, that's a great question. Uh, I'd say it does vary from day-to-day -day sometimes, but if I were to generalize, I'd say um, a, a lot of the times, you know, every, every Monday we start with, um, uh, well, one for me is always sales. So it's always a sales meeting every Monday morning to get kicked off with the day, share what we're hearing from the market and strategize about um, how we're going to be spending the next week in terms of our efforts. Um, we'll also have, you know, um, weekly stand-ups across the company. Um, so we really focus on keeping each other aligned and, you know, aware of what we're doing and kind of getting each other motivated for the week. Um, but I'd say generally the way I split my week, my mornings generally are always, you know, customer interactions, partner interactions, kind of a lot of external um, communications and, 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 and making sure, you know, I'm there for um, the folks in our network that, um, you know, are supporting Acerta. 
We work very closely with, uh, so Microsoft is one of our partners and investors. So we work very closely with their teams as well. Um, so really spending my mornings in and making sure I'm, you know, I'm, I'm participating in, and uh, working with the community and with our customers. Um, and then my afternoons are usually uh, spent in uh, working with the team on uh, all sorts of initiatives um, operationally. So working with our sales folks directly, working with our technical folks directly, and really leveraging my leadership team to uh, make sure that we're executing as efficiently as possible. And what would you say was an interesting project that you recently worked on? Oof, well, there's tons. <laughs> but uh, we're currently, um, well, uh, I'd, say, I'd say a couple of things. Um, one thing we're doing right now is really revisiting some of our messaging, revisiting some of our collateral, um, and uh, starting to um, make sure that um, you know the core of what we believe Asserta is is reflected well across the board in all of our assets. Um, we're similarly recently started kind of um, putting more effort into helping bridge the gap between you know machine learning and automotive. So we've started to release um, new content around. Um, and videos around machine learning for automotive manufacturing, uh, which has been um, which has been a great kind of uh, effort of ours to uh, uh, help bridge that messaging gap between what it is that we're doing and how it's being perceived in the industry. So definitely check those out. So that's been kind of one of the major efforts for us at Asserta is, you know refining our messaging and our collateral to really help our customers better understand what we do, understand the impacts of what some of these innovative technologies can have on their operations and um, kind of uh, help that perception that it's not, you know, a scary thing. And, and it's really kind of um, an evolution and technology that's available today and is showing progress um, and, and effectiveness today. Um, and others, and some others are less exciting, I'd say, um, everything from, you know, preparing, uh, preparing our Salesforce instance to be more scalable and gathering data from this instance to inform product decisions. So, uh, less exciting projects. At the heart of a lot of what Asserta does, we, of course, we leverage some form of statistics or machine learning or more complex things such as, um, you know, neural networks. So what's more typically perceived as AI. Um, I'd say it, it, we often think of it as machine learning and AI is a tool the same way as statistics is a tool. So we're very focused at Asserta around what is that use case or what is that goal that we're trying to achieve by applying these uh, within our product and leveraging these within our product. Because we're data driven, kind of we, we, at the heart of it, we rely on data and really kind of center ourselves around product data. Um, that really makes some of these um, machine learning and AI tools really impactful. Um, and kind of to ask, answer your question around kind of what, how do we decide when to use what? Um, so I'd say it really is driven by the use case. So for example, if we want to um, monitor just the capabilities of the process uh, within manufacturing, we 
can get away with more generic statistics. Um, but then if we have certain failure modes um, in the process so that the products are experiencing issues and defects, uh, we start to rely initially on uh, machine learning algorithms, let's say, if we want to provide root cause information. So in those cases, we'll gather, you know, thousand data from thousands of units coming through the process and use uh, supervised learning and machine learning models uh, to uh, identify, you know, what downstream is causing the problem. Um, and then if we get into something more complex, like our autopulse auto offerings, where we're, um, or even our, you know, component selection offerings, where we're basically leveraging hundreds of signals continuously and looking to predict um, you know, failure or provide recommendations. That's when the more complex neural networks kick in, um, especially since we're dealing with a lot more data, a lot more time series data, and uh, much more complex predictions. So we really determine which type of, you know, um, tool here to use, depending on what the problem we're solving and the amount of data available to solve it. Um, and the more sophisticated the, 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 the issue and the data sets, the more sophisticated our, our algorithms and solutions get. Um, in general, uh, I'd say kind of uh, bringing some of these solutions into this industry is uh, it's very exciting and it, it's kind of at the top of mind of many automotive manufacturing manufacturers. But I'd say kind of as we're thinking about bringing them in, it's really important to figure out kind of how to bridge that gap between the typical traditional manufacturing approaches and these kind of very advanced technological approaches through machine learning and AI. Um, so a lot of time at Asserta, we're spending now on, you know, helping demystify some of these solutions and bridge the gap between kind of how uh, a more traditional uh, way of solving these problems is and how it can be augmented with some of these more innovative um, machine learning driven solutions. Um, and part of kind of this big effort is really creating a very diverse team with experience both in areas of, you know, mechanical engineering and automotive, but also data science. So that vertical focus is sort of has uh, really positions us well to um, bring value uh, to the manufacturers and bring solutions that can actually drive um, impact. Um, we see that's a very big challenge in the industry. But it's a kind of finding that balance between uh, data science and mechanical engineers and really um, making them work a hand in hand uh, is something that's been critical for us as we bring some of this uh, new technology um, to the automotive industry. I was also curious, to what extent would this help plants of automotive manufacturing? Yeah, it, it, it helps quite a bit. I'd say uh, kind of some of the uh, targeted um, metrics we, and, and impacts we're looking at is, of course, you know, improving uh, rework rates and first time through rates. Um, so, so we're seeing, you know, 40 plus percent improvements on that front. Um, and that's very critical, especially to have cost effective operations. Um, another kind of exciting element for us, it's because we're so focused on 
product data and on product quality, we've been able to leverage manufacturing data to help manufacturers avoid quality spills and um, as a result, reduce their warranty um, costs um, in some cases by, you know, up to 30% so far by leveraging uh, a lot of the testing data in manufacturing. So it has a, a huge impact on the costs of the manufacturer and their ability to get in front of these issues. What drew you to, to a career in this industry? Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I'd say um, one of the biggest interests for me when I was starting out uh, was kind of this um, move towards autonomy and uh, move towards a lot more um, electrification and kind of digitalization within the vehicle um, because it, it really kind of painted an exciting future of the car not just being you know this mechanical system you're driving but being almost like this computer on wheels um, and with, with a lot of new capabilities being built in so that really got me excited about you know the prospects of um, uh, what the automotive industry was going to become in the future and the broader mobility industry was going to become in the future. Um, and as I kind of got started getting involved, I really saw kind of that um, as part of this whole transformation, although we're putting very exciting new technologies into the vehicle, um, a lot of the processes around um, the car and how we were making sure that it's of high quality and how much time it was taking to ensure this was just not being transformed at the same rate. And so that really got me excited about kind of getting involved in and finding new approaches to help accelerate how we're dealing with quality and ensuring quality of vehicles across their life cycles. And um, that's really what, what got me into it and got me excited about it. Um, and still till this day gets me excited about it. What would be your advice to young women who are looking to advance more careers in this industry? That's, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I, I would say a, a, a lot of it is just, um, um, you know, if, if you have ideas around how to improve things, not being, um, you know, uh, being bold around the innovation and getting involved in more innovation in this field. I know that sometimes, you know, especially automotive, but general, uh, broader, you know, um, industrial settings, they're sometimes not exciting areas to get involved in. And um, uh, a lot of times are also a lot, very conservative areas to get involved in. But I'd say a lot of the innovative kind of um, initiatives around these industries are a fantastic kind of ground where a lot of smart and creative women could really uh, flourish and um, not just that but also have a huge impact uh, so i'd say being bold and, and and applying you know skills in creative manner so that we can you know impact some of these innovative um, innovative efforts within the industry i think those are great ways to get involved and not be kind of bored, I guess, in the more traditional uh, sense um, and, and really, you know, CC your work pay off. Um, I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities today. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Greta. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.